make music that's a reflection of who I feel like I am right now. Hi, and welcome back to Music at Three Pines, the podcast. My name is Brad Raley, and today's podcast is a conversation with Portland singer-songwriter Clara Baker. We recorded this interview in June. As with so many of our music connections, I met Clara at Folk Alliance, in this case, 2017. She played our house series that fall, and we have run into her at every single Folk Alliance since. Clara is a thoughtful and talented songwriter, and was the finalist for the Telluride Troubadour contest last summer. Her most recent album, Things to Burn, also came out last year, and I have to say it's one of our favorite albums from 2019. She has also studied to become a recording engineer, a career change that has been put on hold due to the pandemic. As with all of our podcasts, we started with the disruption of the pandemic and then discussed her approach to songwriting and how her sound engineer training has changed how she listens to music, including her own, Clara Baker. Well, you want to chat a bit? Yeah, let's let's get podcasting. Yeah. So, how are you doing? <laughs> is that not like the world's most loaded question right now? It is, but I actually genuinely mean it. It's not. It's not totally. that you know, kind of perfunctory. Uh, well, you uh, have to say I'm good. You yeah. Can say yeah. No. I really want to know how it's going. Yeah. Um. Uh. I'm tired. Yeah. I've been like just so exhausted lately and just like I haven't even been doing that much. So I think it's a cycle that kind of feeds itself. I deactivated Facebook yesterday. Oh, good for you. I Feeling good about that. It was time. I can stay involved with the revolution without having Facebook. Right. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm doing for a while. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been hard times. It's been tough times. It's been... Uh, definitely strange. Um, I think overall, I've I've been doing okay. Um, I've I've had some work, and I've had some streaming that's been fun, and basically just exhausted. It, you know, everybody keeps saying this, but I think it doesn't make it any less true. Is that this is a traumatic time? I mean, and, we, yeah. and it seems like we've added trauma on top of trauma. Right. And obviously, for some people, much more than for us. But just even experiencing this and trying to figure out how to negotiate whatever this new normal is, is exhausting. It is traumatic. Mm -hmm. And so I, you're, you're a fairly introspective person anyway. And, and so I remember you talking last summer about that you were tired of try, uh, driving and touring and looking forward to some, so some internal, you know, that was where you do your writing stuff like that. So do you mm -hmm. feel like you have some tools for dealing with this trauma that you had before that you're able to apply? I like the smiling. Yeah, good question. I'm like, <laughs> tools. Yeah, I think that was definitely true. I think that I got into the uh, the cycle of touring and, and traveling and all of that where I knew I needed to make a change, but I was still committed to like several months of stuff after I was realizing that. So there yeah. was many months of like denial of that. And then there was really realizing it and accepting it. And then it was like, okay, well... I really need a break, but the next three months I'm going to be on tour right? and be home for like four days. So I guess I'll wait till the fall. Oh, wait, in the fall, I'm going on tour again. I guess I'll wait till the winter. Oh, wait, in the winter, I'm going on tour again. And then coronavirus hit. So right. it was great in some ways for me personally <laughs> that, I mean, I was ready to slow down. So, you know, I didn't have like, I had a few canceled gigs and festivals here and there, but I didn't have any touring planned this spring. 
Um, but in terms of like introspection during this time, I've done, I've kind of like dug in, dug even deeper. Mm. But I feel like the the deeper you dig, the more stuff you pull up. So it's like, sure, I'm getting more introspective, but I'm like remembering all these things from throughout my life and throughout my childhood that maybe weren't the best memories or whatever. So it's like uh, the more the digger, the deeper down you dig, mm. the more stuff can kind of come up. So I feel like I've made progress in many ways, but I feel like I also am like, kind of like reopening some wounds in the process of doing that. Yeah. I yeah. It's okay. I, Everything's I think, fine. <laughs> I know, but that makes that makes sense. I, it's just uh, yeah. I I I've just often thought that every singer songwriter I talk to, it feels like, and and you're we'll talk about your writing here in a bit, but your writing is is pretty deeply personal a lot of times anyway. Yeah. And so you know you're you're often you know looking inside, and so I've always been curious for people who are, I don't know, if, uh, would you consider yourself an introvert? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I kind of always struggle with that because I yeah. definitely love alone time and I love like I feel like I recharge by being alone, but I also feel like I recharge by being with people too. So, yeah. I think I'm an introverted extrovert. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I started doing the artist's way. Have you heard of that? Mm-hmm. Or have you done that before? No. But I know of it, yes. Yeah. So I've, I mean, I've started it many times. I had the book since 2011. And I've used some of the tools before, but I've never really gotten more than I think about three weeks in. And right now I just started week five yesterday. So That's I'm, cool. yeah. So I've, yeah, I'm doing that. And so every single morning I get up, make coffee and write three pages or 30 minutes of just like brain dump, which she calls morning pages. There's like weekly exercises and prompts and things like that. Um, And that's a ton of introspection. And it's like, look back to your childhood. Who encouraged you? Who discouraged you? Who shamed you? You know, you have to like write letters to yourself as a child and write letters from your child self to yourself now. There's like so much kind of like personal growth work in there. But I feel like I'm starting to see some of the benefits of it for sure. That's cool. Yeah. I've also been doing a weekly (laughs) Monday night writing group um, with a friend of mine. So it's, it's not songwriting. It's um, just, just writing. She gives writing prompts and I've done that um, since the very beginning of lockdown. Um, So it's been like almost three months of doing this writing group and it's for two hours and we just write to writing prompts and then we share the, share what we wrote and then everyone we say what we like about each other's writing because it's like literally you write it right then. So it's not ready to be critiqued. Right. And so everyone just offers like something that they heard in your writing. So it might be, Oh gosh, I love that alliteration or I loved the way you, the repetition. So I really feel like in some ways I can get really down on myself. I'm like, I haven't written any songs during quarantine, but I'm also exhausted. And I've also been doing this like really intense personal growth work through the artist way. And I've been going to therapy every week and I've also been doing this weekly writing group, which is great and also very introspective. So I feel like I'm actually, for the first time, like really tapping into myself as a writer beyond songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that all relates, it seems to me. I mean, totally. I, I'm so struck by thinking about my own uh, writing in graduate school. 
And when I talk to musicians and they talk about the writing process, it's all, you know, it's so similar. Any of the, any of the creative impulses you're doing, you have to pull stuff out, um, whether it's personal or otherwise is requires a lot of that kind of work. So I, I am, I'm sure that that is going to be good for you regardless of if it turns into songs or not, but yeah. And I think that's the thing. Like when I first started writing songs, it was, I wrote them as a way to like process my feelings and process what was going on for me. Like I started writing songs in high school, you know, you have a lot of feelings when you're in high school. (laughs) And then in college, I wrote a bunch. That's when I had just moved away from home and, you know, was experiencing my first heartbreaks and things like that. So I've always really used, had songwriting as like, as you know, you said, it's personal for me. It's always been this like outlet um, of my own emotions and what's happening for me. I think kind of with like touring and, and all of that, like I got to this point where like I couldn't really be as introspective anymore just with like the way that I was doing it. Didn't, I didn't really have the time or space for that. The songs that I were was writing weren't for that. So now I feel like I'm getting back to this having writing as an outlet for myself and having it be actually, I think like having it be in these writing groups where it's not something that I'm trying to sell. It's not something I'm trying to promote on social media. It's not something I'm sharing with anyone except for the people in the writing group. That feels actually really cathartic and like, I think really healing to feel like, Oh yeah, I'm getting back to the root of like why I always was just creating. And that was just to help, help myself understand myself, you know? Yeah. That makes yeah. sense about your songs, by the way. I mean, I, I can absolutely see that. So, mm-hmm. so uh, about writing, by the way, uh, yeah. about songwriting, do, do you just have ideas? I know you work with prompts. I know you've worked with kind of purposeful, intentional writing at times. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find some uh, sort of a mix between songs that you really like and, and end up using coming out of prompts and then some of them that are just sort of, you know, Clara wakes up in the morning and has been thinking about this and this is something needs to be said. Yeah. I feel like um, usually it's like if I'm just sitting down with my guitar and playing something. So the song, most of the songs I've, I've written that I really like are um, kind of like when I'll just sit down and I'll maybe have a little idea or I'll start playing for a little bit and then I'll just press record on my phone and then I'll just start singing whatever's on my mind. And then I'll sing until I, and play until I like don't have any, I just like get to a stopping point. And then I'll press pause and I'll go back and I'll listen to everything I just said. And it, like I had, it's just like freestyle, you know? And so then I'll actually go and write that out or type that out. And then I'll start kind of like putting things into, oh, okay, this could be a verse. Maybe that was a chorus idea or I'll just take a little snippet of something and then I'll start kind of writing around it of like, oh, that one little idea that I heard myself sing, how can I build off of that or what would rhyme with that and just kind of like building from there. Do you, do you sometimes, I mean, do you have a like these days where you, I mean, where you sit down and say, okay, I want to write a song today? Not these days. But when you're when you're writing, uh, when you're writing songs, because you are writing. But when you are writing songs, is that is that sometimes how that works? Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, I haven't been writing songs at all in the past three months. I mean, eh, that's such a lie. I've written a couple, but like, I really haven't written. I bar- I've barely played guitar in two months. 
and I'm just accepting that. (laughs) So, I mean, the process is definitely different because I'm not playing guitar. So I don't, that's like not triggering. That's like what triggers me to write a song is like sitting down with a guitar and playing and singing and turning on my phone, like everything I just described. I'm not doing that. Like my calluses are like, I don't have them anymore. Basically. It's kind of crazy. I'm just trying to accept that and just be like, I needed a break. I needed a break. I need a break. And to also realize like, Oh wow. Like I actually am still doing a ton of writing. It's only really talking to you right now that I'm like, Oh, I'm actually doing like more writing than I've ever done before. Yeah. It's not songwriting. It's not something uh, and not writing is like a means to an end or whatever. Right. I'm just, but I'm writing more than I've probably ever written. It's out of like college or like academic writing or something, right. you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think there's been definitely times in the past where I've been like, yeah, I'm going to sit down and and try and write a song. I'm sure that's worked sometimes, but I feel like generally that that always feels a little bit more forced to me. Mm. Yeah, I can do it. I can write a song right now. Brad is wearing a gray hat and is nodding his head and smiling. <laughs> I could keep going. (laughs) I am on the other side, singing a song and rhyming. There we go. That's how it's done. I wouldn't say that that necessarily like uh, is going to be a hit of the summer, but uh... (laughs) I mean, mostly because of the subject matter. But but I I completely. But as somebody who appreciates a well-crafted song. I'm always curious the process of how people get there. And I know that it, it varies from person to person and from song to song. And, but it's just very curious. And so I love that, just you being able to just sort of break into song. Um, and I can see that, you know, working in times. Not mm-hmm. not always, but, you know, that's, right. sometimes the magic works and sometimes it doesn't. But Yeah, and I think that that's the difference is like, do I want to write a song so that I can write a song? Or do I have something to say and the best way to say it is through a song? Right. And I think that that's something that I've like struggled with being in bands because like, well, we want a song that's like a fast up-tempo song and we want a song like this and a song like this. And, you know, we can write tons of songs and they're cool and they fit all of our descriptions, but it's like, I'm so used to having singing and songwriting be a thing that's like, this is like pouring out my soul that if there isn't that connection for me, it's, it's hard to sustain that and to sustain that love of the song. If it doesn't feel like it really speaks to me in a certain way, it doesn't feel like it's something that I like need to say or need to share. Yeah. That that makes sense too. Yeah. 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 Um, I was going to ask you about your work as a recording engineer, um, which I'm guessing is also partly on hiatus too. Have you been able to do any of that or? No. Yeah. I got hired at a really awesome recording studio in February as the assistant engineer and second engineer there and was doing great at that for about two weeks or three weeks before the pandemic hit. (laughs) Um, which is definitely a bummer. I I think I think that there is still hope for that to be a job again. The lead engineer who owns the studio is doing some work um, out of there, but I was basically just taking whatever work he didn't have time for or that he needed help with, and now his work has slowed down so much that he um, doesn't. I don't think he needs an assistant at the moment. So right. I'm anxiously awaiting the time when 
we can all do that again because yeah. I was getting really excited about that and having a lot of fun learning about engineering and that was like uh yeah like a new career did did it make you for look a couple at music? weeks did it make you look at music differently definitely yeah for so long I didn't realize how much creativity can be put into engineering for a while I didn't even know that about production I hadn't even so many years of my life I didn't think about music production whatsoever I didn't even think about how a song was arranged or anything like that and then I finally thought about that one day and it all clicked and then beyond that I was like oh well what's a couple of microphones you know but I've since learned so much and been mentored by some really amazing engineers who are like oh yeah I use this mic in this way on this instrument because it sounds crunchy or it sounds dark or it sounds gritty or I put on this filter to it so that it feels big and spacious and just realizing like oh my gosh like the actual equipment can be used in such a creative way right yeah that that it really affects this the song and it really affects the way that we hear it the song passes through that filter you know, and I never thought about this until this moment because you've been on on both sides of this. But so, um, when you wrote um, your most recent album and recorded it and went through that process uh, as the artist, um, and then came out the other end with with mastered songs and everything else, did that change the way you performed those songs? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I mean, I think um, first of all, with that, that album that was the light bulb clicking for me about engineering. We were all recording in, um, at our producer's mom's house. And so because of that, it wasn't like a traditional studio setup. Brian, the engineer brought over an entire U-Haul of all of his gear, including his tape machine. Um, <laughs> so much stuff in his whole rack of, of outboard gear and everything. Like I really got to see all of it. There wasn't any separation because like that was in like Shane, the producer was sleeping on, on the couch in the room where the tape machine was like, that's where he slept all week. And that's where we gathered to listen to stuff like, and so watching Brian then switch out the different mics, like it, that's, it all clicks for me that week. I was like, Whoa, wait, when I sing into this microphone, it sounds spooky. Mm -hmm. And when I sing into this microphone, it sounds clean and pretty that changes the entire song. Right. So, I mean, that is what first got me excited about engineering. But also, um, we did all of the arrangements of those songs together that week. So we arranged the songs like right before we recorded them. Right. So, you know, Shane had had, my producer had some ideas and I had had some ideas, but most of the stuff, we just kind of came up with the arrangements on the fly. So some of the songs were very different from how I had been playing them before that. And so I, it's definitely, um, I've then taken those arrangements and then adapted them for like, okay, now how am I going to play this again by myself? Right. Or how am I going to play this with a trio? I've been playing a lot when we could play shows. I was playing around Portland a lot with a drummer and an electric guitar player. Yeah. And so we kind of had a, we kind of, we did, we had a trio and, um, adapted things for that and then adapted it for like, okay, when we have a bass player, how does it change? When we have a keyboard player, how does it change? Right. Mm -hmm. I, I just realized I had never 
even though you because last summer you were when i think we were driving maybe from the airport and you were describing producing your friend's album Mm -hmm. and sort of what you and that was really cool for me to hear how you know you were sitting there taking her songs and saying okay how about if we do it this way we slow it down or we Mm -hmm. add this and i'd never thought about what it's like for somebody who is going through the whole process and you know and then it, it gets changed and then, for one thing, people are listening to it and they want to hear something that sounds a little bit like that. I mean, mm-hmm. that's part of it. But just how it could inform and, and kind of, you know, influence the song. That's that's really cool. Sometimes the artist likes it more and sometimes they like it less. Yeah. I think um, there were some songs. I mean, I love the way that, that Things to Burn came out. and um, But there were some production choices now that I would be like, oh, I don't know if I would have would do make that exact choice again, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. I don't think because it's like, that was just capturing that moment in time mm-hmm. with all five of us at that lake house, just like converting a house into a recording studio and using a tape machine. And mm-hmm. you know, that whole, it was perfect for what that experience was. And like, we didn't use a click track. We didn't use headphones. Did we sometimes speed up or slow down? Sure. Are most people going to be able to tell? No. You know, now, and it's funny because now that I've learned about more about engineering, I can go back and be like, oh my gosh, like that moment, like this, I can hear this thing and be critical of it. But I'm also like, okay, I, I now am really good at using tuning software to tune people's voices. And I was like, you know what? We didn't tune any of my vocals the entire time and not to be like bragging or something, but that's like, now that I have this like ear as an engineer, I can go back and I can hear, well, right there. I was like a tiny bit out of tune, but like most people aren't going to notice, you know? And also does it matter? So it's, it's funny. Like I think that over time, just all of these songs can take on all these different forms and, and ebb and flow. And if it still speaks to you, if it still speaks to me, I want to keep playing it, whether it's by myself or with the trio or the full band or in this style or this arrangement. Or I think that's fun that songs can like be living and breathing and yeah. change over time. Cover your own songs. Why not? <laughs> right. Uh, I want to ask you about um, your... Uh, I, am I correct that your first album was Temporary Things and, mm-hmm. and, and then uh, Things to Burn? Yeah. Um, and I went back and, and re-listened to Temporary Things. I hadn't listened to it in a while. I um, Yeah, me and, neither. Um, <laughs> 2015. <laughs> I was struck by, I think I told you when we, because we were in on your Kickstarter. So, you mm-hmm. know, I think the first single you re- produced or released off of uh, Things to Burn was Doubt. Yeah. Is that correct? But I wasn't prepared for the change into, I didn't pick that up from just doubt. Doubt didn't strike mm-hmm. me as completely as different. Uh, although now listening to it, I, I hear differences. But then the title track, uh, the very first song on there, mm-hmm. Things to Burn. I mean, I remember playing that. I honestly have a vivid memory of like, whoa, <laughs> I was not expecting that. I mean, I and you know, yeah. I am a huge fan of your album. It is one of my favorites from last year. It is, <laughs> it is fantastic. Um so today, going back and listen to your first album, um, because when I first met you, uh, it was guitar centric. It was it was vocals, and then I sort of figured out what a really good guitar player. Although you've gotten so much better even then, <laughs> since then, um, and the and the first album has very much a bluegrassy kind of influence mm-hmm. to it. Um, 
there's no bluegrass influence on things to burn. No. Yeah. Um, and so that's not always the case, as you well know, not everybody switches kind of that kind of influence. There's no mandolin. Right? Yeah, no, there's no banjo. <laughs> no banjo. Now, yeah. I was struck in listening to temporary things that there are some, obviously, I mean, you're still, the, you're, it's, you're the one who did them both. So mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of you in both of them. And mm-hmm. I was hearing a lot of kind of jazzier kind of sides, uh, if I, if I can say that, mm-hmm. which of course, bluegrass has always had that kind of influence too. And so that, yeah. that's not, um, but then when you came to things to burn, so I'm kind of curious, d- did you consciously say, I want to make it that has a different sound? Yeah. So there, I recorded an EP between temporary things and things to burn and it's never going to see the light of day. (laughs) So there's a whole other EP that exists on my computer that no one else will ever see. And that was like, I mean, it's a process of just like growing up. I think so many of the songs on temporary things I wrote when I was like 19 Most of them. I was 19 or 20 when I wrote them in college. And um, yeah, I think it was just really representative of like, I grew up in a family that played bluegrass and I grew up in a family that loved folk music and Joni Mitchell. And so some of the jazzy stuff comes in with that, I think. And Nora Jones, I loved Nora Jones, listened to a lot of her growing up. Um, But then after college, yeah, I started like going to these music camps, miles of music being one of them that has had a huge impact on my life. And I remember at miles of music, like all all the different of some of the different women from Della May, the bluegrass band teach at miles of music and um, you know, all sorts of kind of like people in the folky bluegrass world. And I remember on like one of the nights of camp, there was live band karaoke night. And so um, all the instructors everyone's dressed up and all the instructors are are up there playing they're like in a house band and so um zach hickman's running the whole show he's on bass and band directing and you have to if you want to do live band karaoke you have to write out a giant like a you know one of those big sticky notes you use at conferences a big chart of lyric or of chords to a song so you have to learn first how to write a song chart right um and then you bring it and then the band just plays it there's no run-throughs there's no rehearsals and there's every the rest of camp's all there in the crowd and they're all dressed up and people are drinking and dancing and having a good time and so there's drums there's all sorts of keyboards there's all sorts of stuff but i at the very end of the night dinty child who's an amazing musician he's in session americana at the very end of the night he performs this song he wrote called beer town and they end up (laughs) kicking over amps and like jumping off of them and there's so many electric guitars and your ears are like what's happening literally at a summer camp on a lake in new hampshire looking outside and it's like serene and there's like loons and stuff and then you're inside it's like bear town and the kicking over amps and i just remember being like what where am i like we're not at folk music camp anymore Right. And I think just that moment, I t- tell Dindy all the time, I'm like, Beer, t- Beer Town changed my life. Beer Town changed my life. Because I like saw all these people that I was like, oh, Laura Cortese, like 
she's a fiddle player. And then it's like, but she's playing her fiddle sideways and there's drums and there's synths and there's all, you know, it really expanded my, my mind of like what like folk, even folk music could be. And so that had a huge impact on me. And then things to burn, I recorded all with people I knew from miles to music. So Zach Hickman played bass and keys on it. Shane Leonard, who produced it, played drums and all sorts of stuff. And he, I met both of them at Miles and Music and Courtney Hartman played guitar and I knew her from Miles and Music as well. So I think that like that was a natural progression for me of being like, oh, I started like really expanding my musical world, think, even thinking I was going to a place for folk music and then having like the edges of that get really blurred. And I started to listening, list, I started listening to different music. Mm-hmm. And so I think it just became more representative of like who I am. Mm-hmm now but or it was then and i would say now if i were to record an album now it would probably be pushing the boundaries of that even more mm-hmm. like it would probably be even more electric and like i have i have been using midi stuff and synth stuff in pro tools and like have a synth at home and you know like i think it i would want even more drums and i play electric guitar you know like I think I was scared when Things to Burn came out. I was like, oh no, my parents aren't going to like it. <laughs> you know, I think they were like surprised at first, but they love it. My dad listens to it all the time and he's like a fiddle player. Yeah. So I think like that was a huge leap of faith that I don't think I was even really ready to take, but I'm so glad I took it. And I'm really glad that I just trusted. I just trusted Shane and I trusted Zach and I trusted Courtney. And I think it's partially because I knew them from, music camp <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know yeah i love the fact that and i know your next album is going to sound completely different <laughs> the only thing that'll be different for me is that i won't be surprised that it's different yeah I mean, that's the thing you know you get used to people you get used to a sound and i yeah. i i applaud that i love that i love you playing with that and just letting that go and seeing where it takes you because i think that's the way music has always evolved that's the way it's mm-hmm. always gotten better is because somebody tried something and so yeah Kudos to you because it Thank really you. is one of my favorite <laughs> albums. I, I just Thank you. love it. Um, yeah, last summer at Miles of Music, I wrote a song um, on the piano, and I'm I'm not fooling anyone with my piano skills. They're very rusty, but um, I had uh, I I spent all week. I spent like a half an hour every morning in a class, right, working on a song. I wrote it in hour twenty five minute chunks, two twenty five minute chunks per day. <laughs> And then by the end of the week, I had a song and then I spent the entire last day writing a string arrangement for it. I'd never done that before, but I did it. And then I had um, Zach Hickman look over it because he does a lot of string arrangements um, and help me explain a few things to me so I could notate it in a way that would speak to string players because I play fiddle, but I don't read music. So I just right. play by ear. But anyway, um, so at the very end of the week, of like the camp talent show, essentially, I mean, there's music every night, but um, I played it and I, I didn't play anything. I just sang and had an amazing pianist play the piano part and had two violinists and a cello player play the string part. And it was like, it was so amazing. And I have like a extremely janky recording of it on my phone. But I, I do want to record that song, and I played it for one of my mentors who uh, is an audio engineer, and he is also a fan of my music, and he's come to a ton of my shows in Portland, and um, and he was like, it's so interesting, like, even though there's no guitar, it still sounds like you, 
like how can I how can I have music that sounds like me you know like how can I make music that's a reflection of who I feel like I am right now mm. rather than having anyone else's expectations you know and like I think at the end of the day if if, if I'm not in alignment with that there's there's no point for me playing music it's it's just like that's why I started doing it so it always has to have a sense of that for me I don't I don't need or want to be in a cover band that could be fun and if it's fun great but I don't want to spend 150 days on the road doing that <laughs> I love that. Have you ever written a song, by the way, that's just completely fictional? Um, in in my band with Five Letter Word, we've written okay. a bunch that are fictional. And also, um, when I was younger, I wrote more fictional stuff that I don't think I've written any lately that have been completely fictional. They all have some sort of element of truth to my life. I think in college, this title track, Temporary Things, I tried to pretend like that wasn't about my life. And then I like played it for my college roommate, sophomore year of college. And she was like, made me say line by, maybe say it out loud line by line. And she was like, that, 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 that. And so a few things were imagined and a few things were metaphor, but a lot of it was just straight up true. <laughs> so I, I, I borrow things and, you know, kind of, can things are imagined not everything is 100 percent true let's say that but nothing is 100 percent fiction <laughs> um so do you do you want to play a song yeah how about i'm gonna play six days of rain because i know you like that song Fantastic. and we'll see how it um feels today okay. it's been really rainy here yeah it's more of like one day of sun 10 days of rain out here in portland in june for whatever reason but here we go Sun 
That song that's that's uh i i really love a lot of songs on your on your album but that for whatever reason that one uh i love the hooks for one thing i, I love the you know it's it's just it's a it's a great song thank, thank you for you. playing that I'm, absolutely yeah. well i have a i have a couple more questions sure. um, for you these are, are more in the fun range i think Ooh. Uh, all right so i have a couple of questions i've been asking everybody the last one i've actually uh, altered a little bit for reasons i'll explain but sure. the first one is, uh, who is the songwriter that makes your jaw drop? Um, Maya DeVitri. Mm. Do you know her? No. She was in the band The Stray Birds for a long time. Okay. Do you know them? Yes. Yeah, so she she was the non-male member of that band um not oliver not charlie um yeah so she her album adaptations which was her first solo album uh, yeah write this down brad you're gonna just be ready for this one <laughs> it's really amazing and the production on that album is really amazing as well but um yeah she just has she has so many great songs on that album they all really spoke to me when it came out Okay. Second question is, cause I know, and these, you actually hinted at a little of this when you were talking about this, uh, process of, of, of working on, uh, things to burn, but what, 
outside of Americana, uh, what music do you listen to that you feel like has informed your own work? Mm. I love pop music. And I like uh, some kind of like kind of folky pop, indie pop. I don't know what you would call it, but like um, I love Feist, Mm. for example. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, I was like, (laughs) I was reverse influenced by her. Like after I finished recording Things to Burn, I heard her album The Reminder. Mm -hmm. And I'd heard songs from it before for years and years and years, but I finally listened to the whole album. And I was and like she recorded it in like a house and using like no you know kind of the similar way we recorded things to burn, and I was like, you can hear things creaking in the background and stuff. And I was like, oh, like this is the album. This is my reference album for my album, although I hadn't heard it then, so right. it's my reverse reference. <laughs> but yeah, like some of her stuff had a little bit more crossover, you know, kind of with a little bit more poppy and stuff like that. But yeah, I love I love a good hook. I love a good hit. Me too. Love love dancing and. Yeah, I I love pop. Okay, Maggie uh, Rogers. Do you listen to Maggie Rogers? Yes, yes. I yeah. love Maggie She's Rogers. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is not part of the questions, but but do you when you get new music, do you like to sit down and listen to it all the way through? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm just like hungry for music all the time. I'm just like, yeah. and again, it's like when I'm listening, it's like. I just want to listen to something that like touches me in some way, either makes me want to dance or makes me feel less alone or makes me feel so sad because I feel sad. And it's like, I want to hear it when I'm sad. I don't want to listen to something happy. I want to listen to the saddest thing I can possibly find, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I like to listen to all the way through. We've gotten back into vinyl. And so uh, one of the things that's, you know, that obviously that's the way you do that. But I realized, and Lisa started doing this too, when we get new music, it is a long time before that new music gets put into any kind of shuffle. Mm -hmm. We want to hear the album the way you guys created it and put it in order. Um, Yeah. And uh, okay, so my last question, and I'm going to give you both versions of it because I'm altering it for reasons I'll explain briefly. But Mm. um, I've, Ask it in one way, which is, do you have a guilty pleasure music? Mm. Um, And then I feel kind of guilty about asking that question (laughs) because if you like it, why should you feel guilty? Guilty, yeah. And then the really the question is, is there somebody you like or listen to that you think your fans might be surprised? Mm. That's a good question. I love Taylor Swift. There we go. There we go. Girl knows how to write a hook. I'll tell you that. I'm with you. I love a good hook, and I love, I love, uh, uh, and and you do that too. I mean, that's uh, clearly so. That's that's influenced you. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, I remember when we were recording to Things to Burn. We went out for Mexican food on the last night, and when we were driving back to the house, um, we just had the radio on. And Shane and Brian, the engineer, were sitting in the front seat and they were just like switching between channels. And every channel that came on, like it would be pop for like 30 seconds and then they would like switch it to another channel. It was more pop, you know, oldies, not really oldies, but like classic rock and stuff like that. And every time they switched it, I started singing along because I knew every word. And they switched it again and I was singing along and I knew every word. And Shane just kind of like turned around and looked at me and was like, Are you a secretly a pop? artist or like are you is this what's happening here like are you gonna be a like secretly a pop artist one day and I was kind of like you know maybe and he's like this is he was like this is where the hooks come from (laughs) and I was like I've spent a lot of time listening to the radio what can I say yeah yeah (laughs) 
Yeah. So there you well, go. <laughs> I mean, as as far as I'm concerned, by the way, with folk music, which I love, you know, I love folk music. Yeah. But some of the old school folk music can wear me out. I mean, it's yeah. like after listening to a little bit of that, I need a groove, <laughs> I need a hook, I need some kind of yeah. something, you know. And I think the folk musicians I admire. I mean, Mark Arelli is a great example of yeah. this. Yeah. Um, I never get bored of his stuff. It's got yeah. groove and all that stuff. So totally. And, so, and same with yours. Thank you. Well, I'm I'm gonna let you go because uh, you've uh, and and I have to go check on uh, on Lisa and the hounds. There uh, we go. Yeah. Downstairs. We had to negotiate to make sure that the dogs got fed so they weren't howling outside the door. Oh my you know, Because um, that that can happen. Dog uh, howl podcast. Yeah, we've we. <laughs> they can we've be the had, theme song. Well, this is not as good as as sitting down and having coffee with you, or <laughs> running into a folk alliance, uh, but it's. It's better than not seeing you. And so, oh, likewise. Anyway, Clara, I'm going to let you go. But all right. um, Thank you, Brad. It's been um, really nice to see you. Yeah. Well, we will, you know, we'll keep in touch. Thanks for listening to our conversation. If you don't already own Clara's Things to Burn CD, I suggest you hop over to her website and make that happen. If not, please drop by our tip jar info in the podcast information and send her some support. Musicians need our support right now. We need our poets and truth tellers more than ever. Hope to see you next time on Music at Three Pines, the podcast.